Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. segment maybe here in about 10 minutes there's a late night joke off which we've we've had some problems with lately some of them have been well the problem has been never they, funny they haven't been funny All right but it's the late night joke off this is when a topic is big enough that a whole bunch of your late night comedians take on the same joke um uh bernie 2020 oh, okay uh, i see some perhaps fertile ground there yeah it could be could be we have to mention the new york times big uh, front page story today that's getting a lot of attention uh, especially by your uh, uh trump's hitler media um, Trump's Trump is Hitler media. It's an interesting term. Not Trump's media. Who is Hitler? Or Trump's Hitler esque media. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, inside Trump's two year war on the investigations encircling him, which is a long headline. It's a very long article. A New York Times examination revealed the extent of President Trump's sustained secretive assault on the machinery of federal law enforcement. The uh, article even says itself that this is mostly stuff we have already reported. They're just laying out out altogether in a timeline 
to uh, try to make a uh, credible argument for what they believe is uh, Trump is obstructing justice and trying to stop the investigation, and they think this is what uh, Mueller is eventually going to tell us all. Here's Duh, your, right? here's 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 the whole, all of it put together. It makes sense when you see it all together. Sure, yeah, I get it. Uh, well, that's super. Again, hey, old man Mueller, hurry up, would you? Yeah, no kidding. Been hearing this. You know, a bit of a tangent, but from the beginning, the beginning, we have been mocking openly and cruelly you soft heads who've been going on about how Trump's going to be a dictator and he's the new Hitler. That is the height of stupid. <laughs> the you, height? You I'm have, not a fan of Hitler. It's the height of stupid. You have exceeded most human standards or achievements in stupid. If you repeated that trope. <laughs> and, and here's why. If you believe every stinking word in the New York Times article, every single word of it, you have to concede that the president, the new Hitler, has been utterly unsuccessful in covering up any of this or subverting justice or taking over the government or whatever. Everybody's talking about it. You have people in his own party. You got the courts. You got the various Congress people. You got the Senate. There's a there's a good chance the Senate, the, the, the Republicans in the Senate, are going to uh, uh, vote against the emergency declaration thing. I mean, even if you believe every negative thing you've ever heard about Trump, please admit to me now the whole, he's going to take over and be a dictator thing was just so stupid. How is he going to do that? Please. So, um, also in the article... Did you- right in. Dear Joe Getty, you're right, I was stupid. Signed. You sign your name right there. I will consider that an apology in full. So, also in the New York Times article, there's actually a paragraph where they talk about um, there's been so much of this that people have become somewhat numb to it. And you can blame that on Trump for being uh, Trump and that, you know, you get numb to uh, things that would have been extraordinary under Obama or Bush or whatever. There's truth. I also could blame it on the New York Times or the Washington Post for every day having their hair on fire and saying this is worth the worse than Watergate every single day. Right. um, To where people are going to get numb to that, too. So there you go. Uh, and sometimes those things turn out not to be true. Now, Trump Trump has fired back today because he's probably watching some of the cable news channels where they're going crazy over this New York Times article. He tweeted uh, not long ago with his 50-some million followers, the New York Times reporting is false. They are truly, in all caps, an enemy of the people! Exclamation oh, stop point. saying that. Which is a heck of a thing for the President of the United States. Oh, that's my that's, that's not good. That's a heck of a thing for the President of the United States to say no. of the world's most important newspaper. Yeah. They're an enemy of the people. Yeah. Now, the New York Times is right. He says that sort of stuff so often that, you know, I don't even hardly react. Um, if, if Bush or Obama had said anybody or anything was the enemy of the people, it would have been stop the presses. Yes. What does yeah. that mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I defend Trump when he's right and 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 uh, criticize him when he's wrong. That's a terrible choice in words. You should never say that. And and please, I'm not soft on the New York Times or or whomever. It's, it's pretty just, over the top. Yeah, it's over the top. It's dangerous. It uh, there there are plenty of places around the world that look to the United States for leadership uh, and particularly on the issue of the free press. We're a beacon to the world in terms of free speech. Did you know our friends in Canada, our friends in Britain, don't have nearly the liberty we do to think and write and say what we want? And so we are truly a beacon of that. And you got to be really careful. The media sucks. We, we criticize them bitterly every single day. But that means they deserve criticism. The enemy of the people, that's, 
That phrase is too much. It's just well, they're, too much. They're all they're all reaping what they have sown. So Brian Williams every night on MSNBC saying day 750 of the Trump administration. And this is the day we will all remember. This is the day the smoking gun. And he has said that like 50 times. Right. So it no longer has an effect on me. Trump saying enemy, the people doesn't have any effect. And someday when you need to say that, either Brian Williams or Donald Trump, it's going to be hard to get our attention. Because you've been calling everybody and many people, you've been calling everything a smoking gun in the impeachment hearing. Mm-hmm. So, well, well, right. The yeah. age of hyperbole just kind of numbs us all to these things. Well, and it has, which is, in a weird way, kind of a defense of Trump. Nobody takes it seriously anyway. Although, you know, you saw that one belligerent dope shove down a BBC cameraman at the rally. He yeah. decided to take it into his own hands. That's not good. Yeah, yeah, I I just think that the office deserve or demands more. I would ask the president, like you know, virtually all of his allies, to turn down tone down his rhetoric. But there you go, it ain't happening. Oh, so speaking of which, uh, sort of, kind of vaguely, and and we'll get to that secret real estate conspiracy thing in a minute. It's pretty interesting. It really is. Um, if you want to know where the real power lies. Uh, but I saw this headline, Fox News, Trump not mentally well, should be removed under 25th Amendment, former Bush ethics attorney says. And and I thought, wow, okay, hold on, we got to need to take a look at this. Because I really haven't heard anybody make the argument that that's anything but nuts. Well, it turns out that this is Richard Painter, who was on the 11th hour with Brian Williams, Letting them know this is the day we will remember for the 85th time. Um, and and what he said was just editorial. It was just, I don't like his policies. I don't like the uh, maneuver with the wall. And, and, um, and, and the reasoning is paper thin. But it did come to my attention that he ran recently for the U.S. Senate and was defeated. And one of his campaign ads was widely mocked. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll bite. <laughs> I rolled it. Oh, my God, is it mockable. First of all, this guy is has got, like, Christopher Walken at his stiffest, physically and the look of him. He's kind of a no-necked, glaring. <laughs> no-necked? No expression. What kind of an insult is that? He, he, he looks like a, a, a particularly personality-less undertaker in a, in a dark suit. And he's standing in front of a dumpster fire, literally a dumpster fire. And here's this Richard Painter. Some people see a dumpster fire and do nothing but watch the spectacle. Some are too scared to face the danger. Or they think it will benefit them if they just let it keep on burning. (laughs) Others shrug and say, oh, all this talk of a dumpster fire, it's just fake news. There is an inferno raging in Washington. But here in the land of 10,000 lakes, we know how to put out a fire. I am Richard Painter, and I approve of this message. He's glaring at the camera like Clint Eastwood <laughs> constipated. I mean, he's like, arr, arr. That's funny. Some people think the dumpster fire will just benefit them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've never seen a dumpster fire, actually. Wow. Um, I, but I, if I did, I wouldn't think, you know what? I think that's just going to benefit me. Finally, so I'm going to let it burn. A dumpster fire <laughs> right where I wanted one. <laughs> His delivery's priceless. Here, listen. It's hilarious. 
Some people see a dumpster fire and do nothing but watch the spectacle. Some are too <laughs> scared to that. face the danger. Or they think it will benefit them if they just let it keep on burning. Hey, we got to have that, that dumpster fire thing at the end of the show. <laughs> Some people see a dumpster fire and just let it burn. <laughs> That is really funny. So that's your one <laughs> former Bush aide who's saying, yeah, yes, the 25th Amendment is appropriate because this is a dumpster fire <laughs> and I'm not going to let it burn. Oh, God, that is funny. <laughs> that's great. So how about uh, next we do the Bernie late night joke off and you tell us about whoever's buying all the land in America? Yeah, giant tax breaks. But who's getting them is a secret until the deal is signed. There's some good government transparency for you, America. Some people see a dumpster fire. I don't think many people ever see a dumpster fire. but And they just let it burn. Because they think it will benefit them. Because they think it will benefit them. <laughs> <laughs> that is so Movie tradesman. He's a movie tradesman. Uh, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty Show, welcome to it. Hope you're well. And if you're not, I hope you're well soon. A lot of good stuff to get to. First, though, a uh, tradition around here, the late night joke off. When a story becomes big enough that all the late night ninnies take their shot at it, we'll play them for you, we'll grade them, and the bottom grade getter will be banned from comedy for life using the powers vested in me as America's comedy commissioner. Sean, roll them. Bernie Sanders has announced that he is running for president. Although at age 77 years old, he isn't so much running as he's slowly wandering for president. Bernie made his campaign announcement this morning in the most Bernie way possible on Vermont Public Radio. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Electric. Yeah, electric. Boogie, boogie, boogie. That's a hot booking. After that, he made it official by posting a flyer on his local co-op bulletin board. Senator Bernie Sanders announced today that he will run for president in 2020. If successful, yeah. If successful, he would be the oldest person. That's it. (laughs) Wow. This is nearly unprecedented. We have... Three B's, uh, Fallon with a B, Colbert a B minus. Although it was, I liked how gentle it was, and Myers with the B. Maybe uh, well, nobody's banned. That was pretty good. That was a rare uh, bit of humor. So much of it is how old you seem or look. And Bernie looks old. He looks like a guy who's almost eighty, but he's only a year older than Biden and a year older than Michael Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're the same age for all practical, you know, there's no difference between a 78-year-old and a 79-year-old. So. Well, where did I hear this joke? It might have been uh, Tucker Carlson said uh, Bernie, who uh, 
Looks like a classic socialist. He's something, something. Looks like he combs his hair with a balloon, <laughs> which I thought was a funny joke. Yeah. You know, he does have that kind of wild-eyed, crazy old man look. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. And Trump's Trump's an old man. He just he seems very energetic. Sure. As does uh, Bernie. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, no running doubt. for president is famously <sighs> uber grueling. I mean, this, beyond grueling. That should get more attention. If yeah. you can handle... A presidential campaign, you're physically healthy enough to run for president. We have a business trip coming up in a month, and I'm already tired from it. If you're running, if you're running for president, you hit like six states a day for two years. Yeah. 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 So uh, we've mentioned on the show before that the biggest, most heavyweight behemoth lobbyist in America is... <clears throat> Google it. It's Google. The tech giants are the beneficiaries of the plucky, young, innovative, skateboard-riding image. But they're giant, iron-fist-wielding behemoths on the political scene and lobbyists. And the Los Angeles Times has a really interesting piece uh, on their website, well, and in their newspaper, which presumably still exists, or they print the website and give it to people for some reason. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, uh, they're talking about, they open up with Midlothian, Texas, approving more than $10 million in tax breaks for a huge, mysterious new development. And how nobody in the town knew what the development was, except the city fathers, until after the project was formally approved. And it was Google using some sort of funky, fictitious name. Um, the developer went by the name of Sharka, and city officials declined to say at the time who was behind Sharka. And, you know, I'd like to stop right there and well, wait a minute now. You can, like, approve giant tax breaks for uh, a project, and the good people of that region aren't told who it's for? Well, right, apparently, and the reason is... More and more people are realizing that Google is a big, some might suggest nasty behemoth, and doesn't need the help. They mentioned that they built more than 15 data centers on three continents, 70 offices worldwide, a development spree, enormous um, swaths of real estate now owned by Google with giant tax incentives. Yeah, this the, 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 what worries me about this is um, like my... One of my heroes, Milton Friedman, libertarian, he was worried about, uh, he was always worried about big business and government getting together and how dangerous that was. As a libertarian, he was really Mm -hmm. worried about big companies. Well, it was easy to have the left keep an eye on big tobacco or the car companies or a lot of your big companies because they hated them. The oil companies, obviously, because they hated them. Is the left going to do as good a job of keeping an eye on Google? And Facebook is Amazon become, and Apple. Yeah, as they right. become the big new companies. Yeah, but they they're not as easy uh, overtly to hate because they're not an oil company or a tobacco company. Amazon's year-long search for a second headquarters was criticized for its use of confidentially. Uh, con- I'm sorry, confidentiality agreements so restrictive that officials couldn't comment on their existence. That's scary. Apple has sought multi-million dollar tax giveaways to build a 5,000-person campus in Austin, Texas. Facebook slated to receive $150 million in property tax incentives. But the part that really, really troubles me, there are several aspects that trouble me, but the worst part is these confidentiality agreements. 
that say, listen, you want us to move into your town, you negotiate with us, but you don't tell anybody you're doing it. Is this to try to prevent some sort of Amazon headquarters backlash? Yes, precisely. Yep. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, battle over the border wall and California's bullet train firing on all cylinders. Got another black eye for Facebook. And even more twists and turns in the Jussie Smollett case. Oh, wow. Coming up. Now, I didn't get a chance to get to what Google's spokeshole has to say about all this, but it's Orwellian. Google it. Bernie's wandering for president. That's funny. (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Venezuela has the world's largest oil reserves? Yep. That is correct, sir. I didn't know that. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yet their people are starving. Well, somebody's going to get control of that. It wasn't socialism. It was petrodollars and the perverting effect that they have on a... Yeah, which would work itself out in a market economy. Huh? You numbskulls. What? Uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump is railing against California over a troubled big high-speed train project, a.k.a. the Crony Express. Trump tweeting out this morning, quote, California now wants to scale back their already failed fast train project by substantially shortening the distance so it no longer goes from L.A. to San Francisco. It's just a train between two small cities in the me- in the middle of California. A different deal and record cost overruns send the federal government back the billions of dollars wasted all in caps. The Trump administration says it's going to cancel or claw back $3.5 billion in federal money allocated to that project because, among other things, California has failed to provide required matching dollars. Now, it's a move that Governor uh, California Governor Newsom calls political retribution for the state's lawsuit against Trump's declaration of a national emergency. And Newsom's vowing the state would fight hard to keep the money. You're not going to. It's right there in the agreements. Could it be both there, Gavin? Political retribution and the smart way to handle the whole stupid bullet train thing? Yeah, Yeah, Gavin's no dope. He knows that. But uh, Gavin knew all along that the bullet train was a terrible idea and kept his mouth shut while his boss was He briefly spoke out uh, against it, then was silenced quickly by his buddies. I'm, I'm shocked that... It, it is such, and we've been saying this for years, it is such an enormous, indefensible boondoggle that even sticking it to the unions and organized labor and everything, well, that's the same thing, Joe, um, sticking it to all the Democratic cronies in California, it just, it, he had to do it. It was that big a boondoggle. Um, but I will tell you this, he's saying, well, but we're going to, and he actually said this the other day, and I'm paraphrasing, but the, the meaning was clear. We're going to finish the segment between, is it Merced and Bakersfield? Yes, correct. Uh, uh, because so much money has already been put into that. Yeah. It doesn't make sense not to finish it, which is the very definition of throwing good money after bad. The sunk cost fallacy. Right, right exactly. Right. No. Cut your losses now. In other news, we've got Russian President Putin now saying his nation's missiles will target the United States if the U.S. deploys short- or mid-range nuclear weapons in Europe. President Trump recently pulled the U.S. out of a Cold War era nuclear treaty that banned the development and deployment of such weapons. But speaking earlier today, Putin said Russia wouldn't make the first move, but would respond to any escalation from Washington. That includes not only targeting potential European weapon sites, but the U.S. itself. 
A House committee wants to grill Mark Zuckerberg about a complaint that Facebook is harvesting users' medical information. The issue first uh, came to light in July when a private Facebook group for women with a specific gene mutation learned that sensitive information, including the members' names and email addresses, could be downloaded in bulk. The House committee says it wants to know if Facebook failed to properly notify group members that their personal health information may have been accessed by health insurance companies and, quote, online bullies. Uh Uh-huh. We are going to be following up on this story and similar stuff with Craig, the healthcare guru, tomorrow on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Don't miss it. You know, just in general, though, not this story, but uh, the whole privacy thing of medical information, I've found that to be more of a pain in the ass than a helpful to me. I, 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 don't, uh-huh. I don't have any medical information I'm worried about ever getting out. Yeah. And it's mostly around, it, it came about because of the, the, the AIDS epidemic, HIV, when that was a thing and had a political, you find out you're gay, that whole stuff. That's what drove so much of this. How many of us are worried about our medical information? And then you end up in a situation as I have so many times where my wife can't talk to somebody or I can't get a hold of this or mm-hmm. these two doctors can't talk to each other. They're both doctors. You're doctors. They don't share the information. because Not without to... your, specific, your express yeah. written consent. I think that's a mistake. Threatening letters sent to Empire actor Jesse Smollett on the Chicago set of the hit show is now at the FBI's crime lab for testing. Federal investigators reportedly looking into the whether... The testing is going to consist of... All right, there's the letters on the letter. There's the letters those Nigerian fellows clipped out of a magazine. Same letters. Yep, that's the testing. Please. Has he lawyered up to try to stay oh, yeah. out of... He has? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just hired Mark Garagos. Yeah, I mean, oh, really? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah. No, he's lawyered to the max. Is that a name I should know? Mark Garagos has uh, represented a bunch of reprehensible human beings, including uh, Casey Anthony, who killed her little uh, girl. Michael uh, Jackson. Uh, he was Michael a, Jackson. Wasn't he on the Dream Team for yep. OJ? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we had a run-in with him on the air about something. What did we argue with him about once? I can't remember. Was it Michael Jackson? Appetizers. <laughs> I don't Jack's know what it was. Jack's hot against appetizers. Right. Um, uh, no, but, but, he's, but yeah, he's yeah. he's represented a lot of cretins over right. the years. Meanwhile, it turns out Smollett pleaded no contest back in 2007 to lying to police during a DUI stop in L.A. The misdemeanor complaint from that year says Smollett gave the name of his brother and signed a false name on the promise to appear in court. He was later charged with false impersonation, driving under the influence... And being and, a bad brother. And driving without a license. Wow. He hey, hired... bro, listen, I need a favor from you. Kind of retroactively. I uh, got busted for DUI and told him I was you. Yes. I'd be happy to cover all your bills and everything for you, but you know, I'm, I'm famous, so I can't... Boy, we're really getting a view into what kind of human being this guy is. Kamala Harris's great friend, who she hailed as a beautiful gentleman. Didn't Garagos represent Scott Peterson, or did we mention that already? Oh, yeah. He was Scott yeah. Peterson's yeah. guy. I think that's when we had that our run That's probably when we got huh, into he's it. He's just got a list of the oh, worst of the oh, worst. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. So it doesn't help you, really, when no, Garagos no. is your lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. It's good work if you can get it, though. If somebody's just utterly indefensible and they say, but I really need a lawyer, I'd say, to them, all right, I'll do it, but it's going to cost you. Yeah. Been uh, saving it for a rainy day, and it's raining. Is the four-day work week a coming? Yes, please. There's a variety of places that have studied it, and they think it's all good. For the most part. Employers like it. Employees obviously like it. Mm-hmm. So, hit you with some stats on that, among other things. 
Elizabeth Warren's effort to put herself on the lefty map. Big announcement. We could get to that, I guess. Racism in academia, of all places. I thought they were the perfect people. Oh, please. Lecturing us about how to run the world. Oh, that's right. I got to get to the, the Google spokesperson thing about the secrecy agreements. Where you got so it's much good stuff. Ironically on the fabulous. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Kelly caught that outbound bus for Vegas. We're all out here. Do you still believe the president could be a Russian asset? I think it's possible. I think that's why we started our investigation. And I'm really anxious to see where Director Mueller concludes that. That's a heck of a statement from Andy McCabe yesterday. Yeah. Think it's possible the president is a Russian agent? Of course, I mean everything's possible if you want to look at it that way. But Rush, Russian asset? What's the definition of an asset? What if is some people have posited he, uh, he he made a sweet deal with some oligarchs when he really needed some money in the nineties, and they have that on him and say would be a shame if story published. Perhaps you help with sanction, and and he says eh, we'll see about it. I don't know. Is he is he an asset? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. So uh, a couple of different things that we need to get to. I had two milkshakes last night. Oi. That's too many for a grown man, right? One night? <sighs> Same flavor? Uh, no, one chocolate, one peanut butter. Uh, uh, awesome. Powerful you, combo. You, wow. You live your life however you want. Thank you. Lord knows. That's my <laughs> belief. Um, I have wanted a milkshake every single day for the last 20 years. Oh, yeah, every day of my life. And have had, I think, one, just because it oh, seems really, insane yeah. to even have one. I was talking about with my wife as I drove home to my second milkshake about how well uh, we went, we were on a trip together once, and I drank six milkshakes in one day on a road trip. <sighs> <laughs> Stopped at every place I knew had a good milkshake. And, uh, well, all right. My old stomping grounds and had six milkshakes. That's, uh, We're at In-N-Out, something. which the L.A. Times recently, their food critic, named In-N-Out French fries the worst French fries in America. Getting a lot of blowback at the L.A. Times. Um, yeah. I had a milkshake. The kids wanted mom's homemade milkshake, so she'd made milkshakes when we got home. There was leftover. Oh, I'm going to pour it down the sink. I'm going to pour homemade peanut butter milkshake down the sink. Or put it in the fridge. <laughs> no, I'm going to eat it. Oh, boy. I had two milkshakes. There you go. I eat your milkshake. Exactly. Drink. I drink your milkshake right, until drink. I'm too fat to walk. <laughs> That's beautiful. You know, I've kind of moved on from this Google thing. I've lost the spirit for okay. it. Uh, let me just say this. They engage in giant secret deals, even as their spokesperson says, we believe, believe public dialogue is vital to the process of building new sites and offices. So we actively engage with community members and elected officials, even as they make extensive use of non-disclosure agreements, so they get giant, you know, some would say giveaways, some would say tax incentives, uh, before anybody in the community knows who's being uh, uh, negotiated with. So just, again, and I think Jack made the the point beautifully it's easy for the left to rail against corporate behemoths when they're selling smokes but if they're your beloved tech giants like google and google's the best at it because they have no public face to hate i can't all they have is a logo i don't even know who the guy is who runs google so they google it whose name i can never recall indian american whatever and i guarantee this wasn't an accident everybody knows who runs facebook 
He's yeah. gone out of his way to make sure everybody knows who runs Facebook. And he regrets helped. it now. Everybody who knows who runs Tesla. Everybody knows who runs, uh, not as many, but a lot of people know who run Twitter. I mean, a lot of these people, they want to be rock stars and right. famous and yeah. walk the streets and have people know them as celebrities and get the best table at the restaurant. Google has not done that. And Google's bigger than all of those we just mentioned. Oh, please. <laughs> Added together. Google laughs at General Motors, at, at Ford, at Philip Morris. All and we don't companies. have a face for Google. Yeah. Or name somebody we can hate. Yeah, that's not an accident. And this story I thought was interesting in the New York Times yesterday. There are two thousand tenured faculty members in the nation's top fifty math departments, the best math departments in the country. Two thousand tenured faculty members. Twelve of them are black. Out of two thousand. Okay. And um and uh, so this guy who just uh, quit. Uh, one of your top math departments saying there's rampant racism in the word of world of mathematics and academia. Really? And uh, how come nobody cares about it? Now, I don't know if he's right or not, but that's pretty interesting. If you have any other industry, whether it's Hollywood movies or, or Google or whatever, where you've got those kind of ratios, people mm-hmm. make a big deal out of it. But it's academia. Academia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how did that? How, what's going on there? There's no more infected cesspool of hypocrisy in America than academia. Oy, it makes me crazy. It reminds me of when it's you yucky when you found out that the Obama White House had almost exactly the same numbers as the rest of the country on how much women make per dollar compared to a man. Sure, in the Obama White House, it was yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. So eh, whatever doesn't mean it's a good thing or any of those things. That one can be explained. I don't want to get off on that tangent. But but come on, academia. Yeah. You'd think their dean or their assistant dean or their undersecretary dean or their assistant undersecretary dean of inclusion and good feelings and sweetness and light would have uh, would have ruled on that as they're making their six-figure salaries and further bloating the cost of higher education in America to the good of no one. Marshall's going to mention at some point in his news one of those kids in the MAGA hats there in D.C. standing in front of the Indian with the drum is suing the Washington Post for a heck of a lot of money. Not one of the kids, Jack. The kid. The the youth. Mr. Uh, uh, Nicholas Sandman. Sand, Sandman. Mr. Sandman, file me a suit. That's a very, very old musical joke there. Um. Yeah, uh, accusing them of practicing a modern-day form of McCarthyism, using its vast financial resources to enter the bully pulpit, publishing a series of false and defamatory print and online articles to smear a young boy. How much? Um, and how much are they showing for? $250 million, which is what Jeff Bezos paid for the Washington Post. Oh, really? So uh, evidently this kid is going to win by the Post himself. And uh, I don't know what he'll publish, but it'll be fun to watch. So in New Zealand, a company tried the four-day work week for a year and uh, to see how it would work. Their productivity went up. Their profits went up. Their staff retention was improved. Stress levels are dropped. I don't know how you measure the stress levels. I feel less stressed. I feel more stressed. I don't know how you measure those. Break even. <laughs> and uh, so people are looking at this. And, and other companies around America have tried it, too. And if you ask any employee, they'll say, heck, yeah. I'll work four 10-hour days instead of uh, five eight-hour days. Here's your flaw. Here's your flaw. Here's here's the here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's Joe sucking the fun out of something because that's what I do. The uh, the productivity actually rises. They say employee morale improves. Everybody's gung ho. That is a temporary effect. If you have any experience dealing with human beings, you know after a certain amount of time, might be a month, might be six months, might be five years. 
people will accept the four-day work week as, well, of course we have a four-day work week. That's what a work week is. There will be no energizing uh, based on that extra day off. I I can believe that uh, productivity wouldn't increase because that doesn't really make sense that that would stay home. But your happiness and your willingness to stay there, that would stay. That's not going to go away. Compared to going to another company that has a five-day work week, I'm staying at the four, even 20 years later. Yeah, it could be that you'd hold on to... 20, 40, 50, 60% of that increase in productivity. I'm arguing a significant piece of it would drop off eventually, but you might hold on to some of it. I mean, it. You, you think you'd be below the level of productivity you have with a five-day week, work week? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just be the same? you just do it in four days. Well, Depends because, on the kind of job Because people are going to default to how hard they want to work eventually. When they're no longer jazzed that it's just a four-day work week, because that's what they've come to expect. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't. I, it's hard for me to know because I've never had that kind of. I haven't had that kind of job in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really, really know people with those kind of jobs. Right. If if you're mostly most of my life are people I hang around. Are people get paid for results. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. And fair enough. But a good comparison might be. That if your boss uh, calls you and says, hey, we're giving you a, a raise. You're doing a hell of a nice job. We appreciate it. Here's a raise. You will kick ass for a while because of your new pay. It'll be motivating. It'll be exciting. You'll be happy about it. Two years down the line, not so much. It's just the status quo. But I still like the idea, and I think places ought to try it, starting here. <laughs> yeah, I'd be more likely to work at the place with the four-day work week if I had that opportunity. Yeah, no doubt about it. You how about get, I think you get better uh, talent that way. How about instead of uh, the, the classic five eight-hour days, you work four 12-and-a-quarter-hour days? Same 40. Wait a minute. That math doesn't work. 40 hours, four 10-hour days. Um, I've, I've said since I was a youngster, I'd sign up for that right now. Right now. What if I worked one 40-hour day huh. and then took six days off? Yeah. You're John Henry over there swinging your hammer. Huh? You're real, 40 real hours worth of productivity in one 24-hour day. Yeah. I'm really busting my hiney over here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do we have time for this? Is no, there any reason why we're sticking with that, though? I mean, who who does, who does who came up with Monday through Friday? It was Monday through Saturday for the longest time. And you my only dad got, worked Saturday. You only got Sunday off for the uh, Sabbath, you know, right. your industrial revolution. Oh, and or seven days a week. Yeah, and good. they gave you a couple hours off in the morning to go to church. And then you had to show up and work for 12 hours. If you're Charles Dickens putting uh, boot black or something on, uh, something or other, I can't remember, something humiliating and, and toxic. <laughs> my dad worked Saturday, and half of my radio career I worked Saturday. So, yeah, we got a lot of people screaming at the radio, I work six days a week now! Right. You, you soft <laughs> one percenters, you. <laughs> it seems that the Ford Motor Company was the first to really kind of spearhead this back in 1914 when it scaled back from a 48-hour work okay. week, believing so, that working too many hours was bad for productivity. That, that's interesting. Right. So that was, that was helpful for them, and then it just kind of got adopted with all kinds of different businesses, which it might not be the opposite optimum way to do things. Oh, no. Could be a four-day, could be a six-day. Well, and it depends on what you do. I mean, if you're a power lifter, doing it more isn't going to help peak performance. Mm-hmm. You figure out how much is exactly right. And, yeah, it'd be, it's actually surprising that more companies haven't done that. But all your retail, a lot of that's just cultural. 
you have certain expectations with certain sort of places to be open Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, everything's open seven days a week now, aren't they? Except mm. for uh, Chick-fil-A and... No, like no motorcycle other. stores I go to or mm-hmm. music store. Lots of stores I can think of that are only open six days a week. But I don't know why. Um, we've got lots more to come. Hope you can stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We still have 10 seconds? And what am I supposed to do? Keep talking? That's what bumper music is. It's fine. That's we'll what the fine. music is for. There's no point in me just rambling on if we've got music here. I'm missing out on the violins. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.